Thanks for tuning in. The Turn and Talk podcast is an education-focused podcast that gives you an inside look into today's schools, classrooms, and the minds of educators in the words of real but anonymous classroom teachers and school staff. The mission of Turn and Talk podcast is to give the education mic back to those who actually do the important work of educating our children, the teachers, the school administrators, and the support staff. I'll invite them to our show and ask them questions and you will hear their responses without filter. perspective. That's one of the reasons I do this show. I'm embarrassed to share that in many years of teaching, this was only the second time maybe when I actually sat down with a paraprofessional to get a parent's perspective on education, their role, their vision, and their perceived challenges. The only other time I can remember I did this was in my first year of teaching. And even then, I didn't do this with every para I was working with. I did it with one out of the three. Needless to say that this should not be the case, as you will hear in the interview, and it is unfiltered, a para has not a lot of time for meetings like this. Teachers also do not have a lot of time for meetings like this. But the reality is that teachers have to make time for things that matter somehow. I feel talking to the other adults who work with children as much as paras do on a day-to-day basis is a thing that matters. It's not fair that we don't typically have the time to meet with paras or related services providers, but it does feel like a thing we, the teachers, should try to do even if it is one lunch period with one para one time a year. I hope you'll find this interview informative and that it'll give you some food for thought as it gave me. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. Our guest today is classroom paraprofessional. He's been a one-to-one para and a classroom para Currently, he's somewhere in between. He's currently teaching and working with children in a public middle school in a low-income neighborhood in a large metropolitan city. And without further ado, welcome. How you doing, man? Good. Thank you for your time. We are both on our lunch period right now, and uh, we decided to record the podcast now. Let's start with a little bit about you. How did you end up where you've ended up? I first started going with my mother to her jobs um, when she was working in public school. And I would stay there late at night with her. And while she was working with kids, doing um, decorations for stages and other stuff, I just kind of, how you say, uh, kept it in the family, you know? Yeah. <laughs> My mother's been working as a uh, school aide for 20 years, and my father was working as a school aide and a custodian for 16 years. Wow. So, like I said, it's just been part of my life. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, my mother actually asked the principal to nominate me, so... Nominate you for a position? Position as a paraprofessional. And at that time, I was working in Radio Shack, and I hated Radio Shack. A week later, I got a response letter saying I got nominated, and I could start the process. So it was just like a blessing for me because I, you know, wanted to work in education. Yeah, yeah. I saw my mother working in education. And also, we have great benefits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vacations and stuff. Yeah. So uh, what what is, for our audience who may not know, the role of a para? Like, how do you see yourself in the overall school staff? I see myself more as a, a peacekeeper and um, a helper, a teacher as well, a counselor even, someone to talk to. I just see myself as an all-around person holding different positions. Kids talk to me. They bond with me. I help them with things. I also teach them things. And when they act up or misbehave i'm there to correct them and you know let them know what they're doing wrong so i just see myself as like i said a counselor more as a disciplinarian someone that's needed in the classroom most classrooms yeah 
Yeah, so do you only work with students who have IEPs, who have uh, special education needs? Mm -hmm, Yes, mostly with students who have IEPs and needs. Very rarely do I get to be put in a general ed classroom with one student that needs it. Mm-hmm. All my students usually have IEPs and special needs. So what's uh, a day-to-day work like for you? Day usually starts starts calm. It calm before the storm? Yeah, it changes automatically. <laughs> it could change in minutes and seconds. <laughs> so it usually starts calm. You know, the kids are just saying hi. They're happy to um, see me or see each other. And they start talking. And then um, that's when it gets real, when they start having to do work in classroom. <laughs> as soon as you start saying, yeah, we got to do work. That's when it starts, you know? <laughs> and when you say it starts, that's when you you start to notice... The behaviors. Behavior issues, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, because yeah. kids really nowadays don't want to do work, so... Yeah, that's been your experience. That's that. been my experience, that each year progresses... More and more kids choose not to do work or are mm. more behind. Yeah, yeah. You know? Why do you think that is? I think that's because of social media. That has a lot to do with yeah. social media and all the apps and technology now that they have now. Compared to when I was a kid, we had cheap cell phones that had <laughs> two colors on it and wasn't smart at all. <laughs> No apps, no anything, but now kids can do whatever, post whatever, feel important on social media compared to feeling important in the classroom where Mm. they're practically lost and don't know what's going on. And like I said, that has to do with everything that they have. Pretty much Mm -hmm. they're getting spoiled because of everything that's happening. Technology, the media, TV, anything pretty much. So when you're working with students, you're finding it that it's difficult to get them to attempt anything in, in any classwork in class? Yeah, I, it's it's difficult to get them to do things that they don't want to do. Right, know? right, right. Um, and I try to compare it to real life for them so they can mm-hmm. see, like, it's actually needed. Like, they're going to use it when they get older. Right, right, right. And I try to give them advice and and guidance and let them know that once you get this, you're going to start getting more. You're going to start feeling more confident in the classroom and, you know, you're going to start to do better. But you have to put in the effort to do it. And a lot of kids don't want to put in the effort. Mm -hmm. They want people to do it for them. That's Mm -hmm. what I've noticed. So it sounds like that... There's a part, there's different parts of your job. Some are more challenging than others. Which parts do you really like about your job? What brings you joy and energy to keep doing this work? I love coming to work and having the kids just talk to me and tell me things about their life and gossip or (laughs) gossip, love life or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're such social beings. There's always so much social stuff going on in, in children's lives. Yeah. And not often... I guess a lot of teachers have or create the time to have them share that. So it's nice to hear that many kids do that with you. Yeah, they share. They like to tell me things. They even ask me for advice. They want to know things. And I'm the type of person that I I keep it real with them, you know, Mm -hmm. and I I let them know um, the real thing. You know, I don't sugarcoat it. I don't, like, I guess, 
you know, talk to them like someone that is like, um, I guess I talk to them more like a family member. That's mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say. I, I talk to them more like a family member. I try to um, guide them, you know, just give them yeah, the advice yeah. that they need. Yeah. Know? What are the, the challenges, the toughest challenges for a paraprofessional? What are some of them? I think the toughest challenge for paraprofessionals is when para is working with students and he's trying to, he or she is trying to work with a student that's not cooperating or misbehaving, that there's no support when it comes to helping out the para. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it's all placed on the para sometimes mm-hmm. and and teachers are more concerned with the rest of the class and not concerned with your student at times. Mm-hmm. And um, I just think that there needs to be a better relationship between parent and teacher for um, our job to be a little easier, mm-hmm. but also um, have things in place for the para and for the student when that student's becoming troublesome in a classroom. Like, there needs to be constant location or constant place to place the students that don't want to be in the classroom. Or showing behaviors that you feel are not safe yeah exactly yeah like uh, a room where someone's designated to be there at certain times of the day where we can just put students in and someone that you know is is strict enough to let them know that there's rules once they get to that classroom they can't go to a classroom or trouble troublesome students go to a classroom and just you know do nothing and party and act like it's a free time there has to be some things in place for that student once they go to that type of classroom mm-hmm. you know well, there have been a lot of changes mm-hmm. in, in public schools, as you know, and, and one of them has been there used to be places where students would be sent out of a classroom, but that's a very unpopular approach now, and for a lot of good reasons, too, you know, because sometimes then the some people would just send children out of a room because they were unable to engage them, and then the students are missing valuable instruction. There's that side of that argument, too. If you have a room like that and you keep, you know, you make it okay for teachers or other staff members to send kids there then they're for how long and and what's yeah. the what's yeah. the child learning there exclusion versus inclusion right which is better and i think we, I, and i agree that right now we're in a place where we focus more on inclusion and i i personally feel that that's a good thing mm-hmm. but i hear your point that you are with the same classroom with the same students the whole day teachers wait do you get a prep period i got a lunch break that's it right yeah. so teachers and and our job in my experience is already hard enough even after we have one prep a day yeah uh, right in my case anyway we have one prep a day usually and usually more people are teaching multiple classes yeah. so you have one prep to grade to make lessons to look at student work and to decide where you're going to go from there all yeah. of that there's so much to do in one period obviously that's why yeah. every teacher works outside of school but paraprofessionals don't even get that mm-hmm. in my experience paraprofessionals don't even get that one period so you, all you get is this lunch period which i thank you for spending with me um, and then there's no time for you to take a break if you are emotionally feeling drained or tired or you need a moment to take a breather and calm down also because you're constantly working with intense behaviors yes. there's no place for you 
No. You know, you really can't. So I hear what you're saying, that there's got to be something. That, you know, there should be a place where at least a student can get the support, if not from you for a little bit, from somebody else. But I would just want the student to get some learning oh, yeah, yeah. in uh, the process, you know, because exclusion doesn't work. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, send them away and have them, you know, sit out the whole day or the whole entire period you know we just like a, a space where they could work quietly for a certain amount of time and they can't go there more than a certain amount of time as well so you can't go there like all your classes can't get kicked out all your classes and you can't go there every day so I just you know it just needs to be like where say if he has a test or he has something important that he needs to finish then um, he's not focusing walking around talking doing whatever then there has to be a location with a teacher inside that the para can take the student and work with him there because that's as well paras yeah. cannot be alone with students. Oh okay. So that's one of our main things that they um they tell us that at um. Once we get hired, we cannot be alone with students. That there has to be an adult, an, another adult present at the time. A certified teacher has to be present. Exactly. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or anyone, principal, secretary. Anyone. Got it. Got it. But yeah, so we just you know can't be alone. Yeah, tell me about the training. I often always wonder, what do paras learn? How do they learn it? What is their skill set? It's very hard for me to know, unless I've been working with the para for a long time. So what is the training like? When I first went, it was um, writing an essay about my experiences or my beliefs of how I feel like classes and, and students should be. And then after that, I had to take a, an exam, language arts and math exam. Okay. I passed that. You know, good. good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad. Yeah. Once that happens, you get fingerprinted and uh, you go into all these trainings and all these... Um, yeah, what are some of those trainings about? Uh, what are they well, teaching? They would have uh, like um, behavioral training. Like um, all, they would list out all the um, needs of that students have, like um, mm-hmm. ADHD, autism. And they would have ways to talk to the student or uh-huh. calm him down or, you know, practically work with a student once he's having an issue. Right. So, and it just, it, it's all PowerPointed and, you know, we just sit there and we, we look at it and we, um, <laughs> yeah. It doesn't sound like you're happy I, with the training. I mean, no, because it, it, it's kind of like, I feel like common sense in, in a way because if you know that they having, they have these issues or these needs, you know, um, and you learned it once, you know, like I've been working, like I said, I've been around schools my whole life. So I've, I have a pretty good grasp of what to do in certain in certain situations. Mm-hmm. So it pretty much is just like it just further outlines their needs, things to do, how to get help. Pretty much. How often is this anyway? Like how many trainings do you have to attend a certain number of trainings yeah, or hours? To. We have to have at least a hundred hours of PD in a certain amount of time. I believe it's like three to five years that we need to have a hundred hours of PE. And there's also certain levels, like there's a level one, two, and three. And you have to uh, complete some college to move up the levels. Oh, I see. And get your pay raise by submitting credits. But at minimum, is the requirement a high school diploma? Yes, to high, get- school, high school diploma. 
to get uh, a job as a paraprofessional. Mm-hmm. You could get a job as a paraprofessional if you have a high school diploma and you pass the test yes. mm-hmm. that they give you. Yes. And you pass the, the security clearance exactly. with fingerprint and all that. Mm-hmm. Great. And then if you you have incentive to keep educating yourself, yeah. uh, going to school, and then that leads to pay increases? Yeah, it leads to pay increases. It leads to, uh, I guess, more benefits. Yeah. Glorious job, you know. Yes. <laughs> Last thing, I know we're running out of time. I wish we had more time. I want to know so much more about paraprofessionals. Yeah. Uh, we just never get to really talk to paraprofessionals mm-hmm. because teachers also don't have time and paraprofessionals yeah, are yeah. supposed to be with their students that they're assigned toward the classes. So it's very difficult for teachers and parents to really come together. And that is my last question. What is the collaboration like between paraprofessionals and teachers? And the what is it really like? And then in your opinion, what does it need to be like? Often I see the relationship as the teacher tells the para what to do, the para has to do it. And I feel like in a sense that that's okay and, and also not okay because I don't feel like a teacher should um, feel like he, sh- he can command the para to do things, you know, like... Of course, you can ask, but hey, can you sit here with um, little so-and-so and work with him? Mm-hmm. I believe that, yes. But once a teacher starts getting like too comfortable or, I believe, um, neglectful of how they're talking to a para, mm-hmm. they start saying, hey, go do this or do this or do that. And I've, like, not all teachers do it, but some teachers that I've had in the past and I've had experiences with do that. Like, yeah. they're just bossy and yes. not oh. very respectful? Uh-huh. There was, um, in a certain school, a certain teacher was extremely bossy. And it was her way, or she would try to write you up, or she would try to get oh you gosh. in troubles. And so teachers can write up parents? Uh, well, they can, um, yeah, they can send letters to the principal saying, oh, stating this parent's not doing their job, or so-and-so, and... And I feel like it shouldn't be like that because you should work together. Mm-hmm. And if you feel like your power is is not listening to you or not cooperating with you, not working with you, then there needs to be something that you both need to do. You need to have a conversation about how we can work better together. You can't just neglect it and just let it be for a whole year and mm-hmm. then it never gets resolved. Yeah, I feel yeah. like it should be a partnership. I feel like, yes, the teacher's in charge of the class, and the lessons and everything and the teacher has help from a para and the teacher can request a para to help them with certain things classroom paras especially have to help the teacher out with whatever they need but i just feel like it needs to be distinguished that they're not in charge of us that they need to tell us and collaborate as a team member exactly more so than a kind of like a boss Mm -hmm. supervisor type of relationship you prefer a more team relationship definitely team related yeah i'm a team player you know yeah i i help out anybody who needs help even if i'm not working with that teacher i can take time out and help out a teacher i'm definitely for that and also, I, I just feel it's a missed opportunity if teachers are not, or teachers don't have a, a strong relationship with paraprofessionals because, again, a lot of paraprofessionals, if you're assigned to a class or a student, you know more about that class and the students because you have more context than probably that one teacher. So there's just a missed opportunity if that is happening because we can be learning a lot from one another. And I also believe that, um, this is my personal opinion, that paras should be as well as helpful 
for the teacher. If their student is out, they should be proactive and going to other students and asking them if they need help. Yeah. If they're, oh, could I do this for you? Could I do that for you? Not just be another body in the class. Now. Yeah, I've you seen know? that. Exactly. And, and that's why, that's what happens when... Um, teachers talk to their paras in not a not a friendly kind of way right, you right, know? right. and it's and it, and it creates that it it, it it can either come from the para or it can either come from the teacher but then like i said there needs to be collaboration and you guys need to work yeah. out um work together help each other and it's practically in the end it's for the students so That's if right. you're having a bad relationship with your para it's probably going to affect your students. Yeah. Because you're not getting the full help for all your students that you should be getting out of your para and out of yourself. Yeah, it's such a missed opportunity, and I wish we had more time, but we are running out of time, and we got to wrap this up. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for sharing such great thoughts and expertise with us. We appreciate you very much. Thank you. that's all for today's episode folks thank you for tuning in turn and talk podcast is your one-stop shop for learning about what is actually happening in schools today directly from the people who are working in today's schools the support for this podcast comes from listeners like yourself people who are interested in the present and the future of education so feel free to head on over to our patreon page at patreon.com slash turn and talk podcast we invite you to also follow us on instagram at turn and talk podcast if you haven't subscribed yet please go ahead and do that too so that all future episodes are available to you upon release and downloaded immediately to your device if you have questions thoughts feedback or if you work in a school and would like to take the mic back please please email us at turn and talk podcast at gmail.com thank you for tuning in This is your host, Jay McSuits, signing out. Peace.